my main job is to chase around Dave and try and stop him from picking up heavy things. That's mainly what I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. But Dave is like one of the hardest working people I know. And he's also, uh, I accidentally said 68 and he was like, I'll take it. I took 10 years off his age. But, you know, and, and so I'm like, if you pick up too many potato sacks, like 50-pound potato sacks, I'm like, please don't. No, no. So that's what I mainly do. But anyway, we take, you've seen this, this uh, van that, like, um, it, you know, it used to have a decal, and then the sun kind of baked it away over the time, and now it's like a good Halloween prop that I think I could park on my street and be like, <laughs> hand candy out of No, that'd probably be too weird. Um, but uh, but we take that and we fill it up with food, right? Well, so in my dream, we were doing food bank. And, and, and also, Debbie, where are you at? Debbie helps us out. She does a, a ton. And uh, it, we were doing food bank, except instead of um, our truck we had, it was actually we took a boat and we took a river up to the food bank and and then debbie for some reason was like in an inner tube behind the boat and stuff if you can imagine that and then um you know how like when you're having a dream all of a sudden something will pop in and it'll be like oh yeah that was always there in this dream even though it just came up but so anyway we're hopping hopping in our boat to go to the to the uh, food bank to pick up some food and debbie's in the in the inner tube and then like this al- and then I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about the alligator, the giant alligator that's in this river. And uh, <laughs> I was like, Debbie, what do you want me to do about this alligator? Because she's back on this inner tube. And she's like, just don't worry about it. Try and hit it. So I try and hit the alligator with my boat. Um, and that, you know, didn't t- totally work. And then we were like, kept on going. And I was like, she's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, and then she was just like hitting the alligator with her hand um from the inner tube and then my alarm well my alarm was going off and then my wife like shook me awake and i was like man that was weird so i don't know my my personal interpretation that i've come up so far with it is like the alligator right alligators like chomp you know they got these big teeth and maybe that like represents hunger or something and Debbie's just destroying hunger, punching it in the face from like an uh, inner tube. Yeah, so I don't know. That that's that, that might that might be from God. Maybe not. I don't know. I won't. Um, you can do with that as you wish. So we are um, in this series, uh, which we've been looking at the parables of Jesus. And um, again, we just want to say, like some of the parables are some of uh, Jesus's. Uh, most popular teachings, you can take them home with you, you can stick them in your pocket, and you can remember them uh, quite easily sometimes. But we were, what we're doing is looking at these, trying to dive deep into them. Some of these we've heard maybe a hundred times. Some of these, like, we're like, oh, this is like the B-Sides parable, you know, like we haven't heard about this one as much. But we want to dig down into God's work and and, and get as, as much out of it as we can. So this morning... Um, I would like to look at a passage coming from Luke 12, uh, starting in verse 13. This is, uh, some of your Bibles might uh, uh, entitle it, The Parable of the Rich Fool. So if you want to turn there in your devices or in your, in your uh, Bibles, and uh, I'll read this out loud. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance 
with me. So Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded of you. And then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Jesus concludes by saying, this is how it will be with whoever stores up rich things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would speak to us through your words, God. Make, uh, allow us to be pliable. God, we just submit ourselves to have you change whatever needs to be changed in our lives. God, tweak whatever needs to be tweaked changed our courses. And God, I pray right now that we have ears to hear. God, that what you are speaking to us, God, that we take it and place it in our hearts, God, and that we not just be hearers of your words, God, but that we would be doers of your word, God, that you would affect our lives in a meaningful way this morning. Amen. Amen. So this passage, um, Hannah was like, what, what are you preaching on this week? And I was like, the parable of, uh, you know, the, the rich fool. And she was like, I'm not, I'm not sure I know th that one or, or have heard of it really, you know. And I was like, well, I kind of explained it. You know, it's like this guy and he, uh, you know, has a bunch of stuff and then he has a good year and he saves up and he's like, this will be good for me. And she was like, that sounds like you, you know. <laughs> she sounds like that's your attitude. Like, hey, if I could just sit in a hammock or a bathtub all day, I would, you know, so, um, and I was like, wow, I wasn't applying that to myself as much as I probably should, um, but, uh, so this morning, what I want to look at, and what, before I get to the parable, you know, I want to, I want to point out some things that are going on. This brother, um, he comes to him and says, teacher, tell my brother to v divide the inheritance with me, and what he's talking about is uh, there's this tradition in which um, the firstborn, um, the firstborn son, would get all the inheritance of the father. That was typically how it shook out when the, when the father died. All of his possessions went to his firstborn son, and 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 typically, um, you know, the that firstborn son would kind of take care of the family, you know, he would, he would take other, the other people under his wings, you know, and, and help them out, but he, he, he wasn't required to, you know, and, and if you maybe, you know, maybe it was like a thing where, you know, the oldest brother would always be like, you better be nice to me, because you're not going to get anything, you know, like hold it over, over their head, and, and so this man is coming to him, and, and I don't know what, what his background was, or um, but he's he's trying to get Jesus to to side with him, 
he's trying to get Jesus to tell his brother to to do away with this this old law and 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 just divide the inheritance fairly. And and in this chapter, we see that Jesus is is like at the height of his popularity. He's speaking to thousands of people. It's it's the Bible tells us that people were like being trampled trying trying to hear him. They're trying to get close. So all these people are are listening to Jesus. This is the height of his popularity. And we'll we'll see soon that the crowds turn on him, and 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 he ends up getting crucified. Not to long after but in this moment jesus has has a lot of say so he's he's this messiah figure and he's and he's talking and teaching and so this brother is like if i can get this jesus guy to tell tell my brother to share the inheritance then that that would be saying something right that that would that would have a lot of authority And just imagine Jesus' response if, if the brother had, like, well, gone home anyway and said, you know, Jesus told me that, you know, you had to split up the inheritance. Would Jesus have been super happy with him doing that? I, I, I can imagine not, right? And what is Jesus' response to this? He says, man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? The irony here to me is that Jesus is is the only one who can truly judge someone, right? He is the only true and righteous judge. But here in this situation, Jesus essentially says to, to this man, don't, don't drag me into your kingdoms and what you are trying to do, and don't try and drag my name into your uh, agenda when my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is a completely different kingdom than any of the kingdoms, any of the politics, any of the things going on in this world. My kingdom is one that is different. And so the question I want to pose to us here at the beginning is how often do we use Jesus's name to further our own agenda our own ideals our own political ideals we we think that the world is unfair and unjust and that something needs to be done about it and how often is it that we attach jesus's name to to our thinking how often do we drag jesus jesus you know hey, jesus agrees with me how many of you have like seen something on facebook that made you mad and then you googled a verse that you th thought would help you know tell that person how it is right have you ever done that you've you've typed google like the bible's got to say something back you know how often do we use jesus's name to add clout to our own personal ideals and stances and and people do it all the time every side of every coin does this but I want to challenge you guys and, and, and to think about this morning. Um, don't stamp the name of Jesus on your agenda. Instead, stamp your name on God's agenda. 
you know, I'm, I'm imagining, you know, when you buy a house or, you know, you might have done something where you have to sign uh, a bunch of papers, you know, and you're going through it and someone's like, sign here, sign, this is doing that, you know. Uh, my dad is like the only person I know that reads all of those, but he, he does. He goes through all of it. But uh, you, you sign here. And I think so often to God we say, here, like, Here's what I'm thinking, God. You know, hey, I have this. This would be really good, Jesus. If you could just put, you know, Jesus, last name Christ. You know, it, right here. You know, and just sign at the bottom of that. And that'd be that'd be really great. You know, I think so often we have that attitude, but what we have to we have to reform our thinking. We have to change the way we think, and we have to ask ourselves: Am I using Jesus's name to endorse my own? way. That, to me, is using God's name in vain. To use God's name to further my own point. But imagine the other way around. Imagine this. So this comes from um, James 1.19. And I'm just going to read this and, and just listen. Dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to be angry, Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. And imagine if at the bottom of that piece of scripture, that passage, there was just sign and date right here. You read a passage and you say, okay. Let my name get on board with, with your agenda, God. I'll, I'll sign and I'll commit to that. And so Jesus goes on to ter- tell this parable. He, he has this warning that life does not come from having possessions. And so where does life come from? We have to ask this question. We're, it, it doesn't, we, we're told that life does not come from, from storing up things, but Jesus tells us that life comes from being rich towards God. That's how he ends this parable. He stored up things for himself rather than being rich towards God. And what does this mean? What does this idea to be rich towards God mean? What does this look like? How can we apply this to our lives? So rather this morning, rather than, than, you know, than give you, give you a formula, like let's get out our calculators. Okay. What's your, what's your annual income? Okay. And then let's divide that. And, and, you know, I'm not going to give you a formula that, that, that produces a specific number for you. Rather this morning, I would like to look at our example Who is our example? Who should be our influence when it comes to to being rich towards God? I want to turn to Ephesians 5, 1 through 12. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering, and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. This word, be imitators of God, in Greek it's mimetai. We get like mimic from it. So if you can imagine Paul saying mimic 
God. Mimic God's love, God's extravagant actions towards us. Mimic those. And so as we think about God and, and, and his richness towards us, right, we were all sinners. We know this. And God gave his most extravagant gift, right? He gave, he gave us his son. He gave that to us. He was, he was rich towards that. And we should mimic that. But Jesus, let me point out, God did not stop there by just sending his son, right? Jesus upon this earth said, I will send my helper, God sent his Holy Spirit to, to help us. So it wasn't just done with Jesus, right? God sent his Holy Spirit, which, which, which enables us to live the life that God wants us. It empowers us to live as, as Christ desires. And, 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 and he gave us all sorts of spiritual gifts. In Ephesians 1, it, it tells us that he has given us every, everyone say every, every spiritual blessing. God does not hold back. He lavishes on us grace and forgiveness and transformation and wisdom, and he lavishes healing upon us. So I want you to see that God, he's not like a bare minimum type of God. Right? He didn't just say, ugh, these humans, they got into sin. I guess, you know, I don't want them to go to hell, so Jesus, go down to earth and, you know, die and come back, and that should take care of things. God desires so much more than the bare minimum with us. His desire is not to just get by with us. In Ephesians 2, Starting verse 4, it says, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by his grace that we have been saved. And listen to this. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incredible riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus did not just, just come to save you or, or, or to help you. We, the Bible tells us that we are seated in heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. His desire is not just to do the bare minimum, to just save you from hell, or, or it is to, to lift you up, to glorify us, to place us in heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. He didn't just save us. God elevates us. In the richness of God, it is not the bare minimum. God never goes halfway. We do not see him going halfway with us. He didn't spend his richness on himself. All of God's glory, all of God's power, all of his creativity, all of his love has been poured out on us. 
And so as imitators of God, church, let's not go halfway with him. Let's not be halfway in this relationship towards God. Let's not in turn do the bare minimum with God. Let us be people that, that with every good thing that we have been given, let us give it back to him wholeheartedly. Let's give him everything that we have. Let's give him every part of this because that is what God has done for us. And a good and pure relationship looks like one in which we reciprocate that love. In which we back towards God, give him our, our whole being. We give, just as Christ gave us his life, we give our lives back to him. That is what a richness of God looks like. And so you can imagine when, when, when the man came and asked this question of, and, and, and was just, all he was wanting to do is use Jesus to win an argument with his brother. Can you see what a, what a perversion what a, a, of the relationship God desires to have with us is? God is not looking for a relationship in which we just use him to get our way. Or we just call on him when we need something. What he wants is a rich and full relationship. In 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us that, that God died and, and that he was reconciling the world to himself, right? He was reconciling us to him. What does that mean? That means that, that we are estranged from God. We were estranged from God. There was, a, there was a, a break in the relationship. It wasn't how it was supposed to be. And that is why God sent his son to reconcile so that we can have a meaningful relationship that goes both ways. So this morning, how can we, how can we practice? How can, how can we develop this love that is entirely consumed by God? The first thing... Um, that I would say is we need to cultivate a mindset in which we view everything as belonging to God. We view everything in our lives as belonging to God, right? What, what, when we become a Christian, right, we proclaim Christ as our Lord. We are saying that you are Lord of my life, and, and you, can t you get to tell me whatever you, you want me to do, God. That is essentially what... We are doing so. We need to cultivate this idea that everything comes from God. First, or James one seventeen says, "Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows." I try, you know, and my kids are pretty young, so I'll let you know if this works out or if this was a futile task in parenting. Um, but I do try and do this. I, I, I try and have this attitude myself, and, and I try and um, share this mindset with my children, you know, as they, uh, 
as they have friends or, or Emerson and Everly bicker over a toy, you know, and they're like, you know, uh, I've, 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 I've told you before, Emerson gets like pterodactyl voice and she goes, ah! you know, like, and, and, and she's into this like phase where she's like, you know, and she's like, she, her, her, her self-defense is pinching and she's just like, she'll like go for this pinch and her whole body shakes and stuff. And, and, uh, <laughs> Does that sound intense? It looks intense. Um, but I, I try and share with my kids, like, this idea that, like, everything that we have belongs to God. That even this toy that you have, like, this is God's toy. Or this bed or this room, this, this, is, this is God's room. And I think that's so important because when we think that way, then... then then we're able to loosen our grip sometimes if we understand that this thing isn't mine, but it's God's, and He's been He's been allowing me to to have it, right? Uh, any any parents watch Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood out here? Um, we're we're co-parenting with Daniel Tiger, um, and and he has in the show. You know, it's like the next generation of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. If you've never seen it. There's all these like handy jingles that 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 Daniel you know, he'll say, "You can take a turn and then I'll get it back," right? And and they're talking about sharing toys and and it's so amazing. Everly will like I'll be like I try and get her to share and all of a sudden this light bulb goes off and she like sings a song and she like gives away the toy or whatever and then and then it's about like 30 seconds before she's like, "My turn," like your turn's up, time to come back. You know, but we need to cultivate this idea in our lives that that God is giving us turns with every good thing in our life, that God has given us these good things, but, but his expectation is not for us to death grip them. And then I know in my own life, I'm speaking for myself personally, as I've looked back at my life, I know that I can see how so many big moments in my life have been orchestrated by God. I know just the fact that I'm standing here on the stage talking to you, I can see in my life that this was just orchestrated by God. And so when I think of that and I think of each critical juncture in my life, how God has opened up a door and I stepped through that and I've I've gone on through that and, and, and door after door after door has been open to where I am now. I see that my whole life is God's doing. I owe everything that I have to God. He brought me here. He gave me the things that I have, the, the, the cars or the house or, you know, or the children. And, 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 and so I understand that none of this, none of this is of my own doing, of my own capability. God has brought me here. Every good thing that I have is the result of his goodness. And all my belongings, I remind myself, belong are, are under his lordship. He has control. And the thing about this 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 parable is it wasn't it wasn't necessarily an issue that that the dude bought or 
you know, made bigger barns for his, for his grain or whatever. It was the idea that, that he had control and it was for himself. So I think of my own life, you know, we, you, some of you guys know this, like Hannah and I, um, we do foster care sometimes. I really have it on my heart to someday adopt from the foster care system. But I know, you know, and, and, and I start, you know, I'm like, is, is it the right time now, God, or, or, or when should I do that? But I know that if I'm, if, if that is from, from the Lord, that, that he will orchestrate everything that needs to happen. So if I need a bigger house so that I can have foster care kids in my, in my house, I know that that will come from him and that he will provide it. And so we have to have this attitude that, that God may have plans for me. He might want to give me something, but he might have a plan for that something that he gives me. And we have to daily submit ourselves to God. We have to say, God, what is it today that, that you want to do? Nothing, God, nothing in my life belongs to me, God. It all belongs to you. So God, just direct my paths and have your way. Let me be rich towards you. So that's the first thing, to have this idea that everything in our lives belongs to God. The second thing is to seek a relationship with God relentlessly. Seek out this relationship with God relentlessly. You know, I was thinking about, you know, we, we sing worship songs all the time about, you know, like the, the reckless love of God. And, and, and that, that, is, that is great, right? You know, God's love for us is great. But I want you to understand that that a real good relationship is love that goes both ways, right? The type of relationship that God is desiring for us is a, is, is a reckless love towards us, but then also that we would reciprocate a reckless love back towards Him, right? It is not just a one-way street. So maybe as, as, as we sing worship songs, let, let's, let's ask ourselves, am I mimicking God? God is expressing this amazing love towards us. Am I mimicking that? Am, am, am I acting like that God, like that love back towards him? You know, I had this friend in high school um, staying over at his house and uh, we weren't, you know, we we're at that age where it's like we get dropped off at the mall. That's like what you do, like at that age. And my friend's mom, I can't remember the name exactly. Her, her initials were STM. And it's, uh, I don't know, Samantha Teresa Morris. Let's go with that. And she just had this joke that she thought was so funny when she was dropping us off. She was like, I should change my name to Adam so that my initials are ATM. <laughs> she like, she was just dying. She thought that was the funniest joke ever. And we're like, you know, but because every time we get dropped off the mall, you know, my friend would be like, can I, can I have some, some, some money, you know? And, and I think we, we can, we can have that attitude with God, but that is such short change of the relationship that God desires to have with us. He's not just our ATM. 
or you know sometimes you have you, you might get a call from you know a close friend and when you get a call from them you, you don't know what that you know call will look like or uh, you want to hang out or you you want to talk about something or do you, or do you need something or do you need prayer you want to tell me like it could be any one of those things but how many of you guys like you know you you have lots of other contacts in your phone that aren't like your close friends that you don't talk to that often and then when your phone rings and you're like what do they want you know like you see this this name pop up and you're like they're not calling to like chit chat you know and and that's fine. i'm not saying it's a bad thing or whatever but you're just like they must need something right they would only be calling me if they needed something. And we need to move beyond that type of relationship with God. You shouldn't have the type of, of relationship with God in which when you call out his name, God is just assuming that you need you must need something because you never call to talk or, or to discuss or, or have a relationship or hang out. You only call when you need something but that is not the love <clears throat> that Christ short, showed towards us and it is not the love that God desires for us my sister-in-law Anne shared a, a passage on Wednesday night as she shared it I was like this is so this is so perfect uh, for what I'm going to talk about on Sunday so I was like I'm stealing it just so you know this passage comes from the book of Hosea uh, Hosea 2:16 and Jesus uh, and, and God is talking about uh, restoring a relationship with Israel and he says in that day declares the Lord you will call me my husband you will no longer call me my master and I think that embodies the, what, what, what God is calling for is, is a relationship, a relationship that looks like, like one between a husband and a wife, one that is, that is a mutual love back and forth. Not, not, not one of a master, but one of, of a lover. And I think about, you know, like my, my actions towards, towards Hannah, right, you know, uh, any, if, if you know me or you have known me for a long time, um, you know that like my natural state would be to be like a slob. Like if I lived on myself by myself, it would deteriorate into you know just uh, frozen pizza boxes piled like 20 high, you know, in, in our kitchen. And if you've ever seen my car, like that is like the rep that is like how Trent is in his natural state. There's like sunflower seeds all over on the ground and stuff, which actually it's funny. My father-in-law eats a lot of uh, sunflower seeds. And one time Everly got, while he drives on road trips and Everly got in my car and she was like, is grandpa in here? <laughs> I, like, I just went with it. Yeah. No. Um, he did used to own this car, so technically, yeah. Um, but uh, so you know, I, I, when 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 Hannah goes somewhere, you know, she was working this week and she coordinated a wedding. And she, uh, when she's gone, sometimes I'm like, as soon as she walks out the door, I'm like, time to clean the house, right? And I'm like, trying to like you know clean everything up and pick it all up, right? And that is not for my own doing promise you that but that is like an act 
of love. And it is not like, you know, Hannah's going to beat me or something if she gets home and, um, and, and the house isn't picked up. She probably wouldn't say anything, right? But those actions I take are, are, are an act of love that is a sacrifice of love. And so I want you to understand, um, and you can stand as we close, that every, every good thing that we have is an opportunity to give back to life or back to God. And when we do, that is where life is found in the richness towards God. Life is found in that. So in just a moment, we're, we're going to, we're going to take an offering and, you know, I could just boil down to this message being about giving of your offering, right? But it is about so much more than that. It is about giving of your whole self, your whole life. And, and, and these tithes and offerings that we do are just just a small part of that. But but I, I understand we can get in this, this root of, you know, just like, here, this is a thing I do, and, and not really appreciating it for what it is. But even the act of giving in the offering can be an act of love towards God. You can take whatever you have this morning and you can say like, God, I love you. Here is my gift to you this morning, God. You can, you know, a check, fold it across and say, you know, I love you, you know, like God here, you know, we can have this attitude of, of, of giving. It doesn't have to be a chore. It is not demanded by God. You're not going to get smited or whatever as you walk out of this building. You know, it is an act of love. And this is just a small way in which we reciprocate, in which we mimic God the way he loves us, the way he gave everything to have a relationship with him. God, we want to have a relationship with you and be willing to give everything to do that. So if you'll bow your heads and I'll pray over this offering as, as the ushers come forward. Jesus, we worship you and praise you, God. We ask that our giving this morning would be an offering that is sweet to you, God, that you would see your hearts uh, not just doing this out of obligation, but doing so out of joy as we love you and we express that love to you. God, I pray that, that our love for you would go far beyond what we do here in this moment, God, but that we would begin to find ways in which we can commit our whole life to you, God, that we can give our every being, our every possession over to you, God, that we view everything in our lives as belonging to you, God, and that we uh, find a way to grow in our relationship with you, grow in our love for you. God, challenge us, point out areas in our lives where, where we're coasting by, God, where we are giving you the bare minimum. God, you did not, you are not a God who gave the bare minimum to us, God, and we want to reciprocate that love to you this morning. God, we worship you and praise you this morning. In your name, I pray, the name above all names, amen. Amen. The ushers are coming forward and you can give.